Johnny Staggs, Phantom Dark Dave, and Here on Mars. Join me, the last librarian, on this special Trek Talk episode of From the Wastes. So pull up a seat in the bunker as we discuss the original Star Trek series post-apocalyptic episode, Miri. I am your redeemer! It is by my hand you arise from the ashes of this world! On the roads it was a waterless night. Only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal enough to pillage, survived. Well, ain't we a pair? Raggedy man. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Welcome to episode 10 of From the Wastes. Today's episode is Trek Talk. And with me today is the crew of Trek Talk. Let me introduce Johnny Staggs. Hi, my name's Johnny. I'm a Pisces. I'm looking for someone who takes long walks on Beach of Rasa anytime they can. I was trying to be funny and it didn't work. It worked. <laughs> I was trying to do like love connection. And our next guest phantom dark dave yo happy to be here what's up evan not much how you doing doing good man ready to kickstart some trek talk good last but not least here on mars what's up guys happy to be here as well and um yeah glad to be on from the waste i think this is my this is my first time on from the waste i think it's everybody else's Probably too. Now that I, now that I think of it, but I've, I've been a fan of the podcast, and of course, we've talked many times. So it's good to be on on your turf, man. It's awesome having you guys. Let's let's talk about what Trek Talk is. Trek Talk is a series of podcast episodes that was created by. I'm just going to say you three guys, and I'm going to let you guys hash it out. Okay. <laughs> So, oh, I'm sorry. I had more. Oh, sorry. I should have. I should have raised my hand. Um, (laughs) I should. (laughs) Uh, It all started on uh, Phantom Dark Dave's Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. If you're going to say it, it's Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. Yeah, right. Dave's Pop Culture Podcast from a couple uh, couple years back. And I can't believe how how far the time or how fast the time goes by. But uh did I talk with you about Star Trek first, Dave, or did Johnny talk with you about Star Trek? One of us talked with the other. 
so what happened was I feel like I was one of the central people because I was friends with each one of you individually. And even though Evan and I had random sci-fi conversations, it was really you, Randy, that talked Trek with me the most because you were teaching me about DS9 and getting me involved into it. And then I decided to bring you on to talk about the pilot episode of DS9. I had then made connections with Johnny, and he listened to the DS9 episode, and that was like a match made in heaven. And he actually suggested that we just do a group talk, and we thought of all four of us, and then Trek Talk was born. Yes. I I was friends with Evan on Twitter, and then I was friends with Dave on Twitter. Um, Evan was first, my Twitter friend, and I remember – and Evan, I don't know if you know this or not. I remember like the first time we actually like had any conversation, you sh- shared a picture of you dressed as a Star Wars uh, Jedi. I don't know how, why, oh, but I just remember Halloween. The, yeah, I was dressed yeah, up from as Halloween. A, yeah, yep. yeah, so we got to talking about Star Trek and stuff. And then Dave found me on Twitter and was like, hey, I'm starting this pop culture podcast. You know, it might be something you might be interested in listening to. And I thought, oh, that's cool. No one's really come up to me and said, hey, I'm starting a podcast. And so my first one, I, I subscribed, and I missed the first couple, you know, when they came out. But then the third one, was it episode three, the Deep Space Nine one, or four? It was a little after that, because I had some okay, kind of random it, episodes. Yeah, I thought, it, you know, I thought Probably it was the third week or so. I think four. it was the fourth. Yeah. It may have been the fourth. It was up there pretty soon. And I'm like, oh, they're talking about Deep Space Nine. I love Deep Space Nine. And so... um. I was listening to it while doing some of my walk during lunch, and I thought, who is this Randy, and why does he get to speak Star Trek? If I'm going to be friends with Dave, I'm I'm a Trek. I'm the Trek guy. But no, for real, though, I really love listening to him. And I kept DMing Dave, like, hey, I'm really liking this podcast. You know, you and I have a lot in common, except for the fact you don't like that you're a Sega person. Um, <laughs> you know, just all this stuff. But um, we got to talking and everything, and because of that i followed randy on twitter after that episode and randy just became a big supporter because during that time i was doing my bariatric surgery and he's like oh man you're doing great i mean just really like never really heard he had talked to him talked to him but yet he was always so supportive and then i listened to his music and it was just the stars all aligned i think for the four of us to get together you're still doing great by the way i've gained Uh, whatever yeah, and you know, uh, just it, it, again, it's just crazy how the time flies by. We've done six Trek talks, um, and then you know there have been other times where uh, you know Dave would have each of us on individually um, to talk different things that we were into, and uh, I, I even you know I even did like a few talks on my YouTube channel where I had Evan come on. And I, I would love to start that back up again once I get the time. But, yeah, it's fucking awesome to be on From the Wastes. <laughs> well, thank you. Did, yeah. hey, Dave, didn't we do a Shoot the Breeze, the four of us? Oh, we, we did a handful what? of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, was, was, there was at least two of them. We did a, yeah, that no Trek talk was, you know, no Star Trek was talked about really it at all. It was limited. <laughs> yeah, I was, mean, uh, there was always. Four guys, and, four guys and one Breeze. Yeah. That's so. right. So, no, I, I had all of you guys come on the podcast individually and talk many things, but our biggest common denominator was always science fiction, and maybe more specifically was we all just love Trek Talk, right. and so here we are. And so basically what happened was, Dave, you had decided to end Dave Dave's pop culture podcast, 
and uh, your very last episode uh, was a, a combination of of um, uh, conversations with with different guests, and uh, was also the last uh, Trek talk with the four of us. Um, and it was decided at that point. Um, I came to you on my hands and knees, begging and pleading, and with tears running from my eyes, and and doing the with the bottom lip quivering, asking you if I could uh, uh, take over the mantle of Trek Talk, and uh, you so graciously allowed me to do that. Um, so. Uh, for now, it's found a new home here on uh, From the Wastes, and I thought a uh, perfect segue of, of, of uh, doing that would be discussing the original Star Trek uh, series episode, Miri. Miri being an episode that is uh, post-apocalyptic in nature. And so, away we go. Earth-style distress signal. SOS. I've answered it on all frequencies, sir. They don't reply. Not a vessel. A ground source. The third planet in this solar system, according to my instruments. Directly ahead. Definitely an Earth-style signal. We're hundreds of light years from Earth, Mr. Spock. No colonies of vessels out this far. So, we start out the episode... Uh, the Enterprise is responding to an Earth-like distress call uh, over a hundred light years from Earth, and this this distress call is coming from. Well, this distress call is an Earth-like distress call, and come to find out, the planet is an exact duplicate of Earth. How is this planet an exact duplicate of Earth? Are we in the mirror universe? Are we actually? Did we time travel? Did we? What do you guys think about this exact duplicate of Earth? <clears throat> and is it ever explained how this happened? How 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 this how this is uh, uh, another Earth? I don't think it was ever explained. I mean, it was um, you know, just cost saving technique for sixties TV. Obviously, you know, if we're going to get to the if we're going to get to the meat of it, you know, because, you know, those sets are, even though they look cheap, they're not cheap, you know, but, um, and I think it's, you know, they've done episodes like this also, um, a piece of the action thinking of that, that's basically earth, you know, and I think it's a good, um, way for them as star Trek to look upon the aspects of what's going on in the world. Um, that's why I like these kind of episodes like this, um, that is, you know, Earth-like. This is what Earth could be if, and, and in this case, I'm not trying to get ahead, if we mess around with science too much and we kill off all, all adults and create some kind of virus, you know. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a good what-if scenario. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it, it, I, I totally forgot that they never really explain what's going on with that planet and i actually actually like that you know i like the i like that they left the uh the mystery and the intrigue there with that because I, I it definitely wasn't a sticking point with me because i totally forgot about it yeah i feel the same way especially being a, a dc guy and dc's been really big with having a multiverse and so there's like a earth 
and then Earth 2, and then there's several different versions of Earth. It's really cool to put us in a position where everything is relative because, you know, we're used to the planet Earth. So when we travel there, we kind of know what to expect, you know, the atmosphere and everything. Um, besides being a cheap, you know, way to make a set, I thought the set was really awesome. And I thought it was really cool that they, like you said, Randy, that they didn't explain too much because it leaves open the possibility to always revisit the planet. Okay. So the landing party, they decided to send a landing party down. And the landing party consists of Kirk, Bones, Spock, Rand, and two red shirts, Galloway and Fields. And they beam down. And we see that the architecture is just like Earth. Um, and Kirk uh, mentions uh, that it's just like Earth from the early 1900s. And Sp Spock replies, uh, more the uh, mid-1900s, approximately 1960. And all I can think of, it, like if I was Kirk, I would have looked, just kind of looked over at him, gave him some stink eye. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Really? Really? I, it was 19, I said 1900s, okay? I w it's close. I, you don't have to, but you're Spock, so I guess that's what you do. So, anyway. Three years, give or take, for fuck's sake. Right. You know? Okay, sorry, mid-1960s. <laughs> Whatever. So we're looking around, and there's lots of detritus lying around. It looks very post-apocalyptic. There's, you know, uh, just junk and old cars, and uh, everything's uh, very barren. And uh, and Spock mentions that the, the deterioration has been taking place for several centuries, and um, he also mentions that the signal must be automated, this distress signal. Um, and so they're, they're walking along and all of a sudden, uh, they find this old tricycle and Bones is checking it out. And this, this madman just comes screaming out of the, out of nowhere and, uh, just starts attacking him. And this, this madman looks like some just freaky mutant radiation damage, peeling skin, all purple and pustule and stuff and, and um, it, and he he keeps insisting that the that the trike is his, and he's talking like a child. But did anyone did anyone else notice that the red shirts were gone? Because they beamed down with the two red shirts, and then all of a sudden the red shirts were just nowhere. And I'm not sure if I missed the red shirts being sent somewhere, or just for some reason all of a sudden the two security guys who should have been with them aren't there anymore. Anybody else? I did not notice that. I was, you know. <laughs> As as silly as it sounds at the time, I was like, man, that's a little bit disturbing. Anytime I see like a grown person talking like a child and then, you know, seeing them covered in radiation and just looking like looking like hell, it, you know, they accomplished they accomplished making it look making it kind of disturbing and unsettling, um, especially especially when they had to like pop him. You know what I mean? Like I felt right. like, geez, <laughs> you know, I felt like you're kind of like, you guys are having to beat the hell out of like a grown kid. It was, it was a little disturbing. Okay. So Kirk finally knocks the crap out of this guy and, um, and he's laying there and he's crying over his tricycle and, and he kind of just goes into a seizure and dies. And Bones ends up determining that his metabolic rate was incredibly high, almost as though he had aged a century, like in just a few minutes. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody hears some uh, this noise, 
uh, from a building, and uh, they all rush in there, and they find this girl hiding in there. And um, as they were looking, Spock is looking at uh, at different things, and he finally determines that uh, that all this all this stuff is about three hundred years old. So anyway, when they find this girl, her name is Mary, and she just keeps begging them not to hurt her. Don't hurt me, please. I'm not going to hurt you. No, please don't. I didn't do anything. I won't hurt you. No, please don't. I only want to talk to you. No, don't. Don't hurt. No. Come on. Don't, please. I won't hurt you. Don't hurt me. Come on. Don't, don't hurt me. No, Come don't. Please. We won't no. hurt you, sweetheart. No, we, we're friends. Don't. No, shh. So, the red shirts and Spock end up going... All of a sudden, the red shirts are back, and uh, the red shirts and Spock end up going outside. And, uh... Uh, back inside, Kirk is talking to Mary, uh, trying to find out what the deal is, and she she's talking about these grups that got sick and they would attack the onlys. But I remember the things you grups did. Burning, yelling, hurting people. We didn't do anything like that. You're not going to hurt? No, of course not. We're here to help. Grubs don't help. But we will. What happened here? Where is everybody? You know. No, I don't. Won't you tell me? You got a foolius at it and you want me to play, but I can't. I don't know the rules. I've got to know the rules. Foolie. A game, you know. You can't play a game without rules. And grups ought to know that. What are grups? You are. They were when only's get old. Grown-ups. You said something about the grups doing bad things, yelling, hurting, burning. That was when they started to get sick in the before time. We hid, then they were gone. Am I doing all right? You're doing fine. You said the grups got sick. Is that why there aren't any of them around? Yes, they died. That was after the awful things. A plague, Captain. That could explain a lot of it. But what about the children, the onlys? Didn't the awful things affect them? Of course not. We're here, aren't we? More of you? How many? All there are. And so, yes, she keeps mentioning grups, foolies, and onlys. What what the hell are grups, foolies, and onlys? Well, I did my research. I know grups are grown-ups. <laughs> I kind of pieced that together not not too long after. I'm like, grups, you know, and then I was like, grown-ups, maybe, you know. Um really just again, I like I like the build of weirdness. I felt like it I felt like, you know. I don't know what kind of reception this episode received. You guys were joking about it a while back, but I felt like it did a pretty good job of like, you know, building up like some whatever you would call it tension and still keeping it like really weird and kind of unsettling. Yeah. Another thing too, Randy, I want to mention that I really like is we talk about the atmosphere and the tension that's being built. And then, you know, we started off and we just had this character come out of nowhere and attack looking grotesque and everything and now we find miri who clearly has been devastated she's been through trauma and they even asked themselves 
what could have happened to her to make her so afraid of us. And I can't help but think about like, when have we seen this type before? Cause this is 19, what, 66. And I mean, this is the original series. This episode is almost two years right before night of the living dead. So this was kind of like zombie stuff before zombies were popular, you know? Yeah, it definitely, it. it definitely has that vibe, man. And like, I, you know, I'm the least initiated out of all of us in the original series. I've seen a handful of episodes just growing up. Um, and when I watch this, every one that we watch, like this one in particular, I'm like, there's something really cool happening here. And it's like, did I mean, they? you know, I definitely got that kind of vibe going going into it. It's like a horror. It was like a horror movie almost. Yeah. Evan. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you read the Maze Runner books? Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. the, the, whenever you was just talking about the names, it reminded me of the Maze Runner. How they had all their little special terminology. Mm-hmm. You and had to do, and it's it's that it's really common in post apocalyptic, uh, in the post apocalyptic genre, where they end up, uh, you know, because language is always evolving, it's always changing, <clears throat> and one of my favorite things that happens in a lot of the uh, PA books and movies is, is how that language changes and trying to figure out what the words mean and how they evolved from what they were to what they are, you know, in the, in the, in the story. And so, you know, yeah, you hear the word grups and you think grups, 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 grown ups. Okay. Uh, The one that really tripped me up was onlys. I wasn't really sure what, what that was all about. Um, and then foolies, I wasn't, I wasn't real sure. Um, you end up figuring it out as the, as the show progresses. Yeah. It, it, um, it's funny that you say that because, um, right around, right around the time I watched this, um, it also reminded me of an episode, um, from Star Trek Enterprise where they go to that earth colony that, um, that, uh, they stopped hearing from a long time ago and all the people are living in caves and they're using like a weird modified language. Mm-hmm. Also, also um, some of this kind of reminded me from uh, reminded me a bit of like, um, is it Mad Max beyond Thunderdome with the little kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded me of that too. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a Lord of the flies thing going on. And, and um, that's another common one of the reasons I like this episode is I kind of like the feral children, you know, the feral children tribe stories, you know, and um, there's been a few different, I think there's one that's called the tribe. And I think they're, I think they're British. I think it's a British series or an Australian series. And I think it's streaming on, I think it's streaming on I think it streams on prime and they're, they're more kind of young adult you know, uh, TV shows, but, um, I re- that, I really like, uh, those, uh, feral kid type stories. Do we know if this, uh, episode like drew on any of those, like Lord of the, Lord of the, Fr- I almost said Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Lord of the Flies, <laughs> Lord of the Flies or, or like, any, I mean, I do we know, so. talking, do we know anything about who wrote this episode or anything like that. I don't know. That's that's a Johnny thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of looking over on Memory Alpha about it, just glancing through, but I'm not seeing anything. I know that, that the like guy that. who wrote this episode, this was the only Star Trek episode he ever wrote. Interesting. Oh. Wow. 
So to have this one kind of in your bank, it's not bad. Anyway, Mary uh, is talking about the Grups doing these bad things and hurting the Onlys, and and she talks about the Grups getting sick and dying <clears throat> after the awful things. And um, Bones ends up uh, determining that there was a plague of some sort. And then we get a scene between Kirk and Mary. What's your name? Mary. Mary. Pretty name. For a pretty young woman. All right, am I the only one that was kind of creeped out? By no, this not this at all. <laughs> I watched it and I was like cringing. Uncomfortable. Do you think people cringed back then? Because I've seen no. this episode uh, a few, t- a couple times. I don't remember cringing really, or even you know thinking much about it. But you know, in today's age. I was cringing like hell. I was like, that is creepy as fuck, man. This girl is what? what? What is she, 16? 16? 15? 16? Yeah. Oh, uh, then they get the disease once they hit puberty. Right. <clears throat> when does a... When does a oh, okay. She's preteen. That was, yeah, she's preteen. Yeah, that younger. Right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so and, I just raised the creepiness factor by a few more notches. Right. I, without getting too much into current events and right. the current days zeitgeist and all that stuff that's going on man it, it's it's next to impossible to to see some an interaction like that and not have your mind go there i mean it's just it's everything that's going on today yeah. and the actress that they got to play mary i mean she looks like she's 16 17 18 oh she was of age uh, yeah. yeah she would have been of age right. i mean but yeah and uh, still but you know you don't know about the puberty thing until a little bit later on and then that's then you you know then your 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 cringe factor goes up a little bit more when you realize oh shit she's even younger than that but yeah then, i watched it and i got i had that kind of reaction like Ew. Yeah. i, I just thought to myself, dude, get your, you know, why do you, I was kind of like kicking myself because, because I thought maybe I was just so jaded from seeing everything that right. goes on these days. Right. And it's kind of nice to know that I'm not the only one who was like creeped out by that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. Kim Darby would have been 19 years old during this episode. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> she was portraying someone who is much younger. Right. You know, I, um, okay. So, uh, back outside, uh, Spock and the red shirts um, are investigating, and all of a sudden they end up getting pelted with like rocks and stuff from the rooftops. And you can hear these kids singing, yeah, 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 yeah. And wow, creepy, dude. Anytime you got the kids, it took me, it, I don't know why, it just it popped into my head. Did any of you guys see uh, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone with nope. Molly Ringwald back in no. the 80s? Okay, never mind. So, should we? Uh, yes, absolutely. Without a doubt, you should absolutely watch that movie. There's a scene in there that this kind of reminded me of. So Spock uh, reports to Kirk, and Kirk asks Mary if there's a lab somewhere. And um, there's kind of another little creepy uh, exchange between them. And uh, they talk a bit, and they find that there's a purple scab on, on Kirk's hand. And Mary freaks. So uh, Kirk and everybody else uh, find an old laboratory. 
and where they find uh, they, and they find out that this is where the automated signal is originating from, and uh, so they talk where they end up getting a hold of the ship with the Enterprise, and they're they're coordinating things, and there's some banter between Bones and Spock, and uh, Bones ends up noticing that he has a scab as well, and uh, we come to find out that everybody's got the disease except for Spock, and uh, uh, Kirk and Spock end up finding uh, some research papers. Uh, so what was what was happening was uh, there was research into prolonging life, and uh, Spock reads out progress report, genetic section, life prolongation project. And uh, long story short, apparently a person would only age one month in a hundred years, and it ended up killing all the adults, but it left the children alive. But when they hit puberty, they end up getting the disease, and they go cray-cray and die. Is cray-cray still a thing? Am I, am I showing I'm with it. Should I not say cray-cray? Yeah. You're fine. Okay. You're fine. Um, I think the real secret is fuck with, you know, prolonging life, you know, yeah. end up with space herpes. There you go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so end up they end up talking about Mary's obvious attraction to Kirk and that she has hit puberty. Kirk ends up asking Mary to help him find the other kids, and there's this little exchange between uh, Yeoman Rand and Spock and Rand says to Spock that little girl and Spock says is at least 300 years older than you are Yeoman and we start seeing some jealousy from Yeoman Rand here <laughs> and uh, so enter John played by rest in peace Michael J. Pollard this dude is kooky as fuck. Okay. He is. Michael J. Pollard had this... I don't know if this is the way he was in real life. I haven't seen interviews with him or anything like that. But he had... You couldn't... You can't not watch him. He's just bizarre. He's kooky. He's strange. And John is the leader of these kids, and he talks about the arrival of these new grups and how they're in danger like before. Mary is with them. Why? Why? What's she gonna do, John? I don't... I don't know. I know what we've got to do. More than we see. Somewhere. Up in the sky. Maybe. Somewhere. They talk to each other all the time. You know grups, you know what they do. The hurting, the killing. I remember, John, the way it was. That's right. The way it was in a before time. They talk to the other grups with these little boxes. Now, if they didn't have those little boxes, they'd be all alone. Huh. But they don't see us. We hide. It's not a game. It's real. They're dangerous. They're grubs. Don't you understand? All right. So let's talk about this group of kids. What do you? What do we think about this group of kids? Okay. I just want to say I never thought. John was a kid at all. I thought, I thought, I, I didn't buy him as a kid. 
Just number one. I love the guy because whenever I see this episode, I think of Scrooge. I don't know if anyone else that's the movie they think of. I totally think of Scrooge. But the actor was 27 years old when this was done. <laughs> yeah. Well, they liked him because he was uh, short. You know, he yeah. was short and well, he was able to, and he looked young. I will say this much. He's a character. Yeah. He's got that face you will never forget. And I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm not saying anything negative about it. But it's definitely a face you never forget. And he was a he was a presence of the best way. <laughs> he looked like he could just go off at any time. You know, he yeah. just had that look of, you know, he had that baby face. But, you know, us baby face people, we can get we can get a little out there, you know, a little mean. I hated him. You hated John? Yeah. You, the, those kids annoyed the hell out of me, man. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. Especially the one, and I don't know which little kid it was. Um, the bonk, oh, with the bonk, hammer or the bonk, wrench. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Yeah, that kid, oh, oh. dude. Oh, he needs a timeout like in a volcano somewhere. <laughs> what were the name of the kids in Peter Pan? Was it the Lost Boys? Lost was that, mm-hmm. the Lost. Okay, that's the vibe I was getting is he was like Rufio. And he was antagonizing them to be hateful against Kirk and everybody. And even though he sold it, I'm with you guys. Like, he got on my last nerve. And then the kid with the wrench, I just, like, oh, man. Well, John obviously doesn't like these new groups because he says they're a threat. He think he's, he considers them a threat. And the kids start singing Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. And John's like, this is serious. And um, so Kirk and Mary go into where the kids were and this crazy girl, another 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 crazy um, attacks Kirk, and uh, she's obviously a new victim of the plague. Her name her name was Louise, and Miri says that she was just a little bit older than her. So we end up back at the lab, and Spock found some journal entries from a man, and he's confident that he knows how long they have, and he determines that Miri has about six weeks left. Um, he's not a victim. Spock isn't a victim. He doesn't have the plague, but he is a carrier, and he can't go back to the ship. Uh, in fear of infecting the rest of the crew. And uh, so, speaking with the ship, he's found out that they all have about a week left. This fellow made these notes in the last weeks after the disaster began. I disregard these last entries. He said himself he was too sick, too far gone to be sure he wasn't already mad. And I agree. But based on the entries he made before that, I know how much time we have. The ship's computers will verify my figures. Only a matter of time before we all go mad. Destroy each other. Till the last of us finally destroys himself. Bones also finds out that the idea was to create a new series of diseases essentially a chain reaction of viruses that were meant to essentially extend the life of the human cell immeasurably. And Spock says, unfortunately, they weren't successful. Uh, Bones and Spock uh, need to recreate the scientists' thinking to figure out how it was done so that they can find a cure. All of a sudden, you start hearing the kids singing, and it ends up being a distraction to get them out of the lab. In which, um, in the, and in the meantime, John sneaks into the lab and steals their communicators. Well, crap. Without the comms, they can't coordinate with the ship. All of a sudden, it's a couple days later, food's running low, and the kids are going to starve within a month. Tempers are, like, maxed out. Rand has a freak out and runs out. 
and uh, Kirk chases after her, goes to console her, and she shows him her scab. She tells him that back on the ship, she tried to get him to look at her legs. Now her legs are all grody. Miri sees this, and you can sense a little jealousy. I used to try to get you to look at my legs. Captain, look at my legs. <laughs> what do you guys think about this scene with uh, Yeoman Rand and, and Kirk? Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's really uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know, did her legs still look that bad? They were, they were gross. Just a scab. Scabs, yeah. The purple scabs. Space herpes. Dave. But it was just when, when, when Janice said, on the ship, I, I always try to get you to look at my legs. She is Kirk's yeoman. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just another kind of little creepy moment for me. Well, I mean, the whole thing is it's, it's making her say something that she would never say in any other situation. So it's bringing out a lot of those dark secrets and internal fears are surfacing. And so I think it really helps, even though it's kind of uncomfortable, kind of strange. I like how it pushes the story to the limit. It's an effective, it's not like a bad, awkward, uncomfortable. It's an, it's an effective, uncomfortable Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, ooh. This shit's getting dire. <laughs> and I also think um, it makes it a little bit worse with Kirk starting to act all crazy. You know, his short temperedness and everything, the virus getting to him. I think that kind of plays into it a little bit as well. They're doing a great job of coming across as frayed. Well, <clears throat> Bones ends up finding something and he's hot to trot and he is amped to find a cure. And we're back to John and the kids. And Mary is scheming to kidnap Rand because she's like totes jelly, man. She she wants Kirk. And she's seeing Rand as a threat. And she knows that, that Kirk is going to look for Rand. Mr. Lovey-Dovey. But grups, they know things and all that. You know, I bet they'll be able to do it with one person less. Not one. Because he'll try to find her. Who? Who will, Miri? The captain. He'll try to find her, but he won't. Mr. Lovey-Dovey. Lovey-Dovey. Bonk, bonk on the head. Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Sometime later, back at the lab, Miri's back, and Kirk's freaking out about Rand missing. And Spock's more worried about the communicators. Without them, the cure could be a beaker full of death, right? So Kirk and Miri are talking, and he tries to convince her that all of her friends are going to get the disease, and that she's growing up, and they'll grow up, and they're all going to die. And now we're back, at the John, back with John and the kids. I told you, 
Now, what does your teacher say, huh? Study, study, study. Or bunk, bunk, bad kid. It's not funny. It's a foley. What are you gonna do with me? <laughs> you think I'd tell you? Mary. You're not supposed to be here. I know. What's the matter? Something go wrong? Hey, then. Just don't stand there in the doorway. Come on in. Listen to him. You listen, Mary. I did. Why do you think I brought him here? Tell them, Jim. Tell him, 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 Jim. Listen to me. Oh, yelling in a classroom. Look at him, a very bad citizen. we talk into. We need them to talk to the ship. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. No, blah, blah, blah. If we don't talk to the ship, if you don't help us, there won't be any games anymore. There won't be anything. Nothing. No grups, no onlys. Nobody left. Forever and ever. We talked about this before. Am I, I'm sorry, I'm not the only one that can't stand this kid. No. No, Just I won't. It, it, and this, this, these scenes with these with these kids are they are really disturbing. Um, anytime you have a, 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 a situation with feral kids, you know they their minds haven't developed um, to the point of you know of, of empathy and sympathy and and all these kids and kids are mean little fuckers, man. I mean they are they are mean, vicious, feral yeah. animals. You know, I know they tried to keep it to code in certain ways, but it's unfortunate that uh, Kirk never picked up that wrench and bonked him on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was just like, you know, it really it it really did a good job of irritating the shit out of me. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and just to piggyback on what you said, Evan, about that, you know, about feral kids not reaching that point. Mm-hmm. They've had 300 years of no rules. Right. Nothing. I mean, fending for themselves, no structure whatsoever. So they're going to be worse than just a regular 12-year-old, you know, kid. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> 300, you know, 300 years. You know, something else that I didn't even think of till we started talking about it right now is I know we're all watching the episode and everybody's really irritated with them. As we get into it, and even though everybody's kind of losing their cool, the adults, right? It's amazing how, you know, we talk about Kirk never bonked anybody on the head or anything like that. Oh, I wish it would have been cool if he did. But it's kind of like almost definition of being an adult. Like they're there and they're able to take everything these kids can dish out and still they handle it, you know? 100%. Uh, going back to this thing, just a little bit off, you know, what we talked about before. Was anyone else not annoyed that everyone left their communicator? <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them just left That's... it on the table and walked out. 
I guess that's why they started putting them on their uniforms, huh? I guess so. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Kirk and Mary, we got this group of kids, and uh, Kirk and Mary enter, and they try to tell the kids what what is going to happen to them. And the kids, they just carry on singing and yelling and acting like little shits. And Kirk, he's pleading, but it's just constant interruptions from the kids. And and he, Kirk is just begging and pleading, but it, it's just not working. And all of a sudden, here come the kids with the sticks and the stones. as they grew up. Did you ever see one of them not change? One by one they got the disease and they became like, like, like those creatures you're afraid of, like Louise. One by one they changed and got the disease. The disease, like I've got, like Mary has. You understand what I'm talking about? You're not babies. We can help you. Naughty grub! Kirk shows them his scabs and Mary shows them her scab. And did you remember, and I, I rewound it a couple times, the, that one kid that we can't stand, when Kurt grabs him and flings him from the desk to the floor, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe they let, I can't believe they uh, let that yes. in the episode. That, I mean, it was, and I almost wonder if William Shatner was like, man, fuck this. This is take number eight. This kid is going down. I, no more. Last take. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I can't stand it anymore. And yeah, it, it's just crazy how how he throws that kid. And uh, so Kurt finally convinces the kid that he's not like the other grups, and he only wants to help. So we're back to Bones and Spock, and there's some pretty good bickering between them. And Spock leaves. Can't wait for those communicators in Elon. We must. The vaccine could be fatal. Disease certainly is. How long do we have left? Hours? Minutes? How much longer do you want to wait? Bickering is pointless. And Bones decides to try the cure himself, falls to the floor, screams, Spock! And it looks painful as hell. Spock checks him out and determines that he's not dead. Yet. Kirk and the kids enter. The blemishes start to fade. Yay! The kids finally realize this is a good thing. Now we're back on the Enterprise. They were just children. Simply to leave them there with a medical Just team. children. 300 years old and more. I've already contacted Space Central. They'll send teachers, advisors. And truant officers, I presume. They'll be all right. Mary, she really loved you, you know. Yes. I never get involved with older women, Yoma. Mr. Spock? Captain? Full ahead. Warp factor one. Warp factor one, Captain.
So what'd you guys think of the episode? Oh, you, you, yeah. What, what'd you guys think of the episode? I'll, I'll start off. I'll say there were some great ideas in this episode. Wonderful ideas. I don't think it was the best executed. And I think there's many reasons for that. Number one, we're looking at 12, the 12, half day in the season. They're still trying to find their legs. Um, riders are riding for the show without knowing the show. That's like almost any first season episode. Even Star Trek The Next Generation. If you look at that, they knew Star Trek, but they didn't know Next Generation. And so the writing, I don't think, was as great. I will say Kim Darby as Miri if she wasn't supposed to be like 13 years old, was fantastic. Amazing. I can understand why she's so well known for True Grit, um, why they got her in that. You know, she mm-hmm. had a major role in that movie. She is fantastic um, with her acting, and it would be great if, you know, she had more to, to her credit. Um, watching it, it was a little bit not my favorite, but it's Star Trek. I love these characters. You know, they can be sitting around talking, you know, just talking and I would love it. Um, I just, I just wish it was, was executed just a, just a little bit better. That's my opinion. Not trying to be hateful on it or anything, but just my opinion of what well, I watched it twice in the last couple of weeks. Cause um, just to try to get the feel of it and, you know, not, not, not the worst episode in the world, but not the best either. Yeah, man, similar to what you said, I uh, would never hate on an episode of Star Trek. I will tell you, does the episode stand the test of time? I don't think so. I think it's very dated. But I will say, stand out for me, like you said, John, Kim Darby. Now, I love Kim Darby, not because of True Grit, but because of a movie she did in the 70s, made-for-TV horror movie, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I absolutely love that movie. She's in that movie? She's the main character. She's I, the mom who is terrorized. I, I have to watch it. I have to watch it. And okay. I might as well say this right now, a future episode on my podcast, which we'll talk about. But there you go. Yeah, I love Kim Darby. She's great. She even appears in Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers. Just saying. I didn't have a problem with the episode. Um, I'm, I lack the, I guess I, I, I guess I lack the context. Whenever I watch a original series episode, I'm always going into it with a certain, I guess, just awareness, right or wrong, that it's going to be a little cheesy. It's it's not going to be the same, you know, the same thing that, um, you know, is like watching Next Generation or any of that other stuff that, that we also watch. Um, so, but that being said, I just like the fact that even since its inception – Star Trek has always been a uh, vehicle where you could have almost any kind of story about anything because it's space and weird stuff happens. And I like that it's been that way from the beginning. And every original series episode we've watched has surprised me in that because for the longest time, all I remember about the original season was a lot of like the pew 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 Klingon stuff. And so, you know, we've watched the one, what was the one we watched where they're on the weird planet with all the shore leave? Yeah, that was weird as hell. Um, that surprised me in the same way. This was like watching, like we were saying, it was like watching a post-apocalyptic like horror movie. And I love that. And I love that Star Trek 
allows for all of that. And I can't think of another franchise I've watched that is like that. I guess one thing, just listen to you talk, Randy. If this was kind of, and not totally, but kind of maybe set up as a, almost like a Twilight Zone episode, where you're on this alternate Earth, everything similar, but, you know, just that slight differences and maybe not having... Ollie Ollie Otson free or you know like the normal earth stuff but just maybe make it more a little horrific just that slight tone even though you know we're running out of time because we're going to be dead in a week but maybe just shift the the aspect of making it more of a horror story that might have made it stand out a little bit you know hold up a little bit better you know just thinking about that yeah I feel you um I I do like that they left so much unexplained. Like, I felt that I totally forgot all about it. And to me, I mean, that's what makes it good, is I'm not sitting there thinking about, like, weird plot holes and inconsistencies. I don't normally notice that stuff anyway, like like you guys are, like, re- noticing they all left their communicators on the table. Like, I'm, I'm a little more boneheaded than that. But, but um, it, I'm actually surprised that they never revisited this story in any way through any of the other um i guess what what franchises or shows you know what i mean it would have been so cool to see some sort of continuation or something well i know they they ended up uh there i think there was a book wasn't there a book that um yeah cry of the onlys by uh, judy class that deals with the events that occurred um after the episode, but I think they ended up changing some of the things. I think they made it, uh, I can't remember if they, they didn't, I think they ended up making it like a, a colony, like a, like a, an earth colony that, or a colony that had been, that had come from earth. What? What was an only? Did we find out what an only was? The kids were the only. The kids were the only. They were the only ones that survived. They were the onlys. Yeah. And foolies were, were jokes. You know, you must be, you must be like fooling me. You're fooling me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the behind the the scenes stuff. Does anybody know what country banned this episode until like the early nineties? BBC. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, because it deals most unpleasantly with the already unpleasant subjects of madness, torture, sadism and disease yeah bbc but it's okay for you know kurt to hit on little girls (laughs) apparently (laughs) yeah another uh another deal the exterior shots were shot on the uh andy griffith show set yep i thought that was kind of cool and then obviously a lot of and i was wondering this when i was watching the episode um I think all the kids, if not most all the kids, were were the kids of like you know the the cast members and the crew members and and all yeah. that. except for one, except for one person. Who was that? Who wouldn't allow their kids to be in the show? Oh, that I don't know. Leonard Nimoy. Oh, Adam's not in it. I, I yep. should have thought about that. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy. He just didn't want his kids to be involved with the the, the Hollywood thing. He didn't. He just didn't nope. want them involved with with that whole deal. Well, and, uh, his son married my teenage crush, so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Blondie? No. <laughs> uh, no. Um, Leonard Nimoy's son's married to Terry Farrell. Jazia. Oh, really? I, didn't, I had no I, idea. I didn't know Why that. am I yeah. just hearing about this? They got married a few years ago. With or without the symbiote? Well, it, obviously without, you know, because it's not Ezri, it's Jazia. Okay. Did you... Now, Evan, I don't know if you're going to get into this, and if so, I'll stop mid-sentence, but do you think this episode connected to any other episode of Trek? I, of original series or of, of any... In general. But why I dug up something, and I didn't know if you knew about this. Um, I'm not as well versed in like DS9 and Voyager. I don't recall anything in Enterprise or. or and that's Netflix. it. Uh, apparently, and Johnny helped me out. Um, Enterprise season one, episode six is called Terra Nova. There's a scene where the Enterprise crew come on a ruined city, finds a broken bicycle, and spins the wheel in his hand, and it's supposed to be. <gasps> oh, you're kidding! That's apparently. the episode I was oh, referring. Yeah, that's the episode I was referring to where the people live under the ground. and. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to have to I, – I don't remember that episode at all. How cool if they do, in fact, actually connect, man. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. What were the – post-apocalyptic stories all around. There we go. Yeah. That's another episode. There it is. Um, who were who the, who, who the three main cast members we didn't get to see in this? Chekhov. Sulu. Well, Chekhov's not in season one. Sulu. Sulu, Ahura, and Scotty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, we literally only see the Enterprise for like three minutes of the entire episode. The rest of the episode is is all is all on the ground. And I think, isn't it uh, Grace Lee Whitney's... It, mm-hmm. I think, is it the only episode that she wasn't on the upper Enterprise? Yeah, the only one where she left. Yeah. You know, yeah. she beamed down. Um, and and I don't know. I, I hate that about the actress that you know they had to let her go due to some problems and everything. But I really thought she added a lot to the show. I really like um, Janice Rand. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't she leave shortly after this episode? I think so. Wasn't uh, she only in like half of the like in the beginning? I've got my little book. Um, she's in the Conscience of the King, and that. Maybe just oh uh, yeah, the next episode is her final appearance. That's what I thought. Yeah, I'd heard about that as well. And I'm with you, Johnny. I loved seeing her here. And I remember when I first was watching this episode and I saw her, I was excited because I recognized her. And that's because I'd seen some of the episodes before. But it got my mind going that man, she's not anywhere else really, and she's never in season two. And so it's really cool that she did kind of come back for the motion picture. We got to see her in that. But mm-hmm. hey, she does conventions now, so that's cool. And she's in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, if I'm not mistaken. She was on the Excelsior with Sulu. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. If and, I'm not mistaken, let me... And, uh, and, and speaking now that of, I say that, I'm probably wrong. And speaking of, of uh, Grace Lee Whitney, her son Scott would then appear as a Vulcan crew member in the motion picture. Nice. Oh, I love it. Anything we can tie to the yeah. motion picture, I'm on board. <laughs> you know, another thing I, would, I found... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, she was the communications officer. Rand was the communication officer in Star Trek Six, which, okay, oh, and she's in another episode that calls back to that. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. If you've seen Voyager... Oh, stop. A, yeah, I'm not going to say what where it is. <laughs> stop it's it. It's awesome. <laughs> 
say that that ah oh, can't talk about that. <clears throat> okay, now the you know the little girl that Shatner picked up there at the end. Mm -hmm. That's that's his daughter, right? Yeah. And she wrote uh, the book about the making of the Final Frontier. Oh, oh cool! No yes. Oh, I'll be darned. This also happens to be the first episode to feature outdoor shots since what episode? The cage. Yes. No. Yes. Yep. Like filmed outside, not correct. Not on sound. Okay, gotcha. Yep. yep. That's awesome. And uh, <clears throat> and this I found out. And in uh, the signal that comes from the planet that, that you can hear in the, you know, in, in the beginning is in the original Outer Limits episode, "The Man Who Was Never Born," which is one of my all-time top favorite Outer Limits episodes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's super good. Okay, maybe I'll be watching it tonight, Evan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, now what did y'all think about Space Central and not Starfleet Command? Yeah, that was kind of odd. Space uh, yeah, that's what the still say Starfleet Command. Of course, it's early in the, and not everything was you know perfect yet. Right. You know, because you remember um, in Where No Man Has Gone Before, he's James R. Kirk mm -hmm. on the tombstone. Yep, so, yep. I remember that. <laughs> I mean, they're just little things, and that's why all these little nitpicking things just kind of I laugh about it. It's a it's a TV show. I yeah. love it. It, you know, it, it influenced me more than any other show in my life. But in the end, it is a TV show. Take the morals for what it is and and get, and I'm sorry, I'm going to quote Shannon here. Get a life. Stop <laughs> getting all upset yep. over little stuff. I like the little but, tidbits, though. I like the little, like, like oh, this is the only episode to ever use italics in, in the, the, in the, ti or in the title name. screen or whatever you want to call it. Oh. Um, no, no, no. Tidbits are great. Even picking out little inconsistencies are great. Oh, sure. You know, it's fun, but don't get all mad and upset about stuff, you know, like that. You know, right. just. You want to talk about inconsistency? Did you notice the phaser was blue and not red when it shot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what's going on? Still trying to figure out what they want to do with phasers. Huh. Hmm. Okay, and we were talking about um, how we felt about that episode. I found I only found one site. It's Hollywood.com ranked all 79 episodes of the original series. Does anyone want to guess where Mary is at? One through 79. Oh. Bottom. I don't have a clue. Just y'all three. Okay, so that, one through 79, one, one being through, the best. One being number okay. one. All right, we all get one guess except Johnny. One guess, and then I'll see who's the closest. I'm going to say 17. 17. Okay. You're pretty high up. Okay. I'm going to say 65. 65. I'm I'm going to take 66. And <laughs> bastard. I know. Well, hey, you've got all. One dollar. <laughs> the price is right. I know. That's why the hate price is right. And that, let him win. It's numbers, of the, according to this side, it's number 70 of 79. <laughs> You're kidding. Well, it, I, I, I thought I read somewhere it was Janice Rand's or uh, uh, Grace Lee Whitney's, like, I don't know if it was her favorite episode or like. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, and her kids are her kids are in it as well. Right, so that exactly. could be just she got to work okay. with her kids. I don't want too much spoiler, Johnny. But is number seventy nine Spock's brain? I'm just curious. 
No, it's no. that's seven, that's seventy eight. Oh, okay, I bet I, I bet I know what seventy nine is, and what you, and we might have think? to. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Don't say short leave. No, the uh, the uh, the something Eden, the way to Eden, or the the something. The way to, Eden. to Eden is number. Well, I thought I saw that. Well, they don't have it uh, towards the bottom. It's not even on the list. It must be a higher number, though. So with that, while you're looking at that, Johnny, um, since we're in this conversation, I am interested to know what they voted number one. Let me scroll all the way down. Hollywood.com. Best episode Star Trek original series. What we got? According to Hollywood.com. Okay. Who wants to take a guess? It's so subjective. I have no idea. I know. But this is a well-known, considered one of the best. Um, what's the name of that? The Corbomite Maneuver. That's no. a great guess. Um, the, the City on the Edge of Tomorrow or whatever. City oh. on the Edge of Forever. Forever which right. was yeah. also used the Andy Griffith show sets. You there passed you Floyd Bobber in oh. that episode. Yeah. You know, I don't want to take over too much uh, and, and change the subject as often as we're doing here, but... I found myself thinking about this the other day. I was wondering what my favorite or my go-to episode of the original series was. And I noticed somebody on Twitter the other day asked it and I had said one and someone said one, and I, you know, I did the whole like, Oh, that's a good one too. But man, you know, throughout the original series, I hope we get to do a lot more episodes because there are some fantastic ones in there. Oh, there is. I mean, there's a reason why those 79 episodes, the, from the best to the worst are beloved by the fans. I mean, that's all in the seventies. That's all you had until the animated series. And it was these 79 episodes played over and over and over again, which led star Trek to be the, you know, the pop culture icon it is today. So, Oh no, I totally understand that. Oh, here we go. I found it. The way to eating is 75. So it was pretty low. I just skipped, looked over for some reason. So 75. Well, there's only one, two, three, four lower four. than Yeah, that's not that bad. <laughs> you did pretty good guessing that. <laughs> so with that being said, we still don't know what seventy nine is? Oh I I didn't think you wanted yeah, I didn't think you wanted me to tell you. I'll well, tell you. Are you guys okay with knowing what the ranked worst episode is? I think I'm okay with that being spoiled. Yeah, I'm cool. If you watch every episode in order, it'll be the last episode you watch. Turnabout Intruder. Oh, okay. The one where Kirk switches bodies with a woman. Right. So that, te- that that plot right there just tells you. <laughs> that sounds like that'd be a hit today. Rank it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll we'll uh, wrap it up. So let's uh, let's talk about where you we can find all you guys. Dave, where can we find you? All right, man. Evan, again, awesome to finally come on this podcast. Just like everybody else said here. Uh, I'm Phantom Dark Dave. You can find me on Twitter if you ever want to talk sci-fi or classic horror movies or classic sci-fi movies for that matter. I'm at Dave underscore Phantom. If you find me out there, I was the host of Dave's pop culture podcast, uh, successful for two years, did 135 episodes, had a lot of fun. But as you, as Evan mentioned, I closed doors on that project and I've moved over to Brian's podcast, which you can find called the Terrible Terror Podcast, where I basically didn't want to be the main guy anymore, but I still wanted to be able to contribute. And I basically provide bonus episodes once a month, sometimes two if he needs to take a break. 
So if you subscribe to the Terrible Terror podcast, you'll see in the feed, you'll get two episodes from Brian, and there's a bonus episode, which is like a little show. I'm kind of like the guy who's, you know, you watch the primetime movie, and then Dave's the guy that comes on at midnight, and this is my B-horror movie sci-fi show. And I do a show called The Podcast from Another World, which focuses on horror and science fiction from the 1920s through the 1980s, and I can guarantee if you heard this episode right here, each one of these guys will eventually make it on that show. Randy, who are you? Uh, I'm here on Mars, uh, here on Mars underscore on Twitter, here on Mars.org, here on Mars.bandcamp.com. Uh, I make music, and um, you guys uh, definitely three of the people that keep me wanting to make music. And uh, I appreciate you guys very much. And yeah, that's it. It's awesome to do the first Trek talk on From the Wastes. And uh, yeah, man, it's just good to be here. And Johnny Staggs. You can mainly find me at, Zo- at Zoidberg95 on Twitter. Um, I am a hodgepodge of tweets these days, do a lot of Star Trek, big on Trek, to- uh, Trek Tuesdays. Um, trying to do something to represent the track. And if you go on there and you look up this past Tuesday, the fourth, I sang along to, I hate you from star Trek Four: the voyage home. The good one. (laughs) (laughs) I got to to release my inner punk and it was horrible, but I had a fun, fun time doing it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and until next time, take cover and take care. Dark Dave, and here on Mars, join me, the last librarian, on a special Trek Talk episode of From the Wastes, where we talk about the...